Stop giving them value. Stop educating them. Stop doing free consulting. Instead, give them clarity on their issues. They don't care about your solution. I'm sorry. They care about if you're the one to understand their problem. In fact, I'm working on a new book right now coming out next year called The One Call Sale. How to compress your sales cycle from multiple steps to one single trust-based conversation. We are not following up anymore. You're not chasing the next ghost. You're not playing the numbers game anymore. You finally have learned how to be so connected to somebody that on that one call, the person feels comfortable giving you a yes or a no. That's the ultimate pinnacle of where this is going. And now I teach that to my private clients. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of the None of Your Business podcast. Hey, it's just me today. Uh, empty chair here. Lacey is off at another commitment, but we did not want to miss this opportunity to spend some time with today's guest. As usual, I'm super pumped about this guest. You know, if you know anything about what we do here um, with None of Your Business, with Black Diamond Club, um, I love this concept of sales. I know that many of you listening to the program, you might not love the concept of sales, which is exactly why you need to pay very close attention today. You know, one year ago at summer camp, I did a presentation on closing from the stage where I taught how to close from the stage while at the same time, we closed over $350,000 in that presentation um, in this niche. Now, definitely not in the space of our guests, but in this niche, I proclaimed that day that I took the belt away from the other sales experts. It's not rocket science, but it is a science. You have to know exactly what it is that you're doing. And so we're going to tackle all of these obstacles, these roadblocks, these myths, these things that are holding you back from reaching more people, making a bigger impact and creating the lifestyle of your dreams. Today's guest is the world's number one authority on trust-based selling. You already know who it is right there. When I said that, everybody, please welcome in our guest, Ari, and I, I'm, I've been practicing my, my he's not Australian, but he's in Australia. So I've been practicing my Australian accent because everybody, if you listen to anybody, he's interviewing him from Australia. They say Ari Galpa. And so we have Ari Galper with us today. Ari, welcome to None of Your Business. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited about it. So you are the number one authority on trust-based selling. Now, first of all, I want to get into the story of trust-based selling. What is it, et cetera. But the first thing I think that we need to tackle, I mean, for you, this is second nature. This is what you do. But for our listeners, for our viewers, a lot of them already, they've got that sweaty palm. Like, oh my gosh, they're talking about sales. Um, what are some of the first things before we jump into the trust-based selling? Let's just obliterate this idea that people should be afraid or nervous of sales. What do you have to say about uh, the people that are nervous? Well, first, you have to shift your mindset and redefine what you believe selling is because the nervousness comes from us being conditioned to believe that selling is one thing, which is us chasing, pursuing, convincing, having someone else buy from us. It's all about us instigating, creating the result. That's how we've been taught to do things, which puts pressure on us and gets us nervous. But, which we'll talk about today, if you can shift your mindset away from the goal of the sale and focus 100% on going deep on your potential clients, then the nervousness goes away. It's all about them, and you can be calm, centered, and collected and actually build trust with people in a way that feels right. And I, and I love this, the idea of just on the surface of trust-based selling. Before we dive into that, we're going to go deep on that, but that should take away some of the nervousness right there. Like it's not, we're not, we're not talking today about some faint, like, Hey, we're going to do some NLP manipulation. And then now you feel nervous. We're talking about trust 
based selling selling based off of relationship relational capital trust tell us the story of how you end up coming up with this idea of trust based selling sure so about 20 years ago i was a sales manager sales manager a software company and we launched the first online website data collection tools now it's called google analytics i'm sure you've probably heard of that but we launched the first one years ago i was managing at the time 18 salespeople underneath me and the big opportunities came across my desk, the leads that came across our company, they were passed to me. There's one opportunity I called back, a nice guy, he's with a big, huge company, we had a great conversation. He was really interested in seeing our product and they had like multiple websites, it was a huge deal. If I close this one sale, it would double the revenue of the company, one transaction, that's how big it was. So the guy finally agrees to a conference call, a Friday afternoon, four o'clock and a demo. And I show up in my, in my conference room with my CEO. I close the door behind me. There's a big, long conference table in the middle of the conference room. There's a, there's a speakerphone on the table there. You know, the old school ones with the three legs on it, the Star Trek ones. And so um, I dialed the, uh, the, the, the speakerphone uh, button and the dial tone came up, dialed the number. He picks it up. He says to me, hey, Ari, how's it going? I said, good, good. And he says to me, Ari, let us tell you who's with us here in the room today. Next thing I hear is, well, I... Wow, next thing here is my name is Mike, I'm CEO. I was like, ooh, this is good. My name is Julia, I'm head of global marketing. This is even better. My name is Chris, I'm head of IT. This is amazing. I mean, everybody on this call was basically a decision maker, right? Like they're all in one place at one time. If it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen now. So I introduced myself, described what we do. Then I gave a, uh, we logged in live on a web website demo and I showed them how it looks like to see all their statistics of their websites in real time. We close it ahead of time of the call. I'm showing this to them and I started this noise on the phone call like, wow, this is great. This is amazing. I can't believe we can see this. They start asking me all kinds of questions. How do we use it? How do we install it? Who are your clients? And of course I had all the answers. You know, I was competent. I was, I was relaxed. I explained what we do, the technology. And I was doing everything I was taught to do in sales, building rapport, answering objections. There was so much chemistry on this phone call. It was like a love fest on the phone. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, that's awesome. They got the questions. You got the answers. You're saying to yourself, I got this. This Soft is like balls all day long. It's like, boom, this is like Bluebird. This is like a dream come true. It's like there's no resistance. And I'm getting a high five back here from my boss. Like, nice job, Ari. And if i get this deal he gets a bonus for what he wants for the year and he, he's like it was such an awesome call we're going back and forth i'm doing my thing i got the books at home on sales i went to the guru seminars i have the cds in my car i was i was a student you know and so an hour goes by call was amazing we say our goodbyes my guy says to me ari this is great we love it let give us a call a couple weeks and we'll move this thing forward i was like oh thank you god what an amazing opportunity so i said my goodbyes I took my hand in my arm and I reached for the phone to hit the off button on the speakerphone. As I'm reaching for the off button by complete accident, now it's a divine intervention. My thumb hit the mute button instead of the off button. And a small click happened and they thought I hung up the phone. In that split second, a voice inside of me said, Ari, go to the dark side, be a fly in the wall, go where no one's ever gone in the world of sales before. And they started talking amongst themselves thinking I had left the call. Now, this is not a trick question, but what would you imagine they, they would have said after a call like that? What would you expect them to have probably said? Wow, when can we get started? Let's start organizing the team. This is gonna be great. That's what you expect. Cause I mean, that's what we heard. So it wasn't what I heard actually, in terms of reality, what they said was this, I'll never forget it. It's why we're here today. They said, we're not gonna go with him keep using him for more information and make sure we shop someplace else cheaper. Knife in heart twist. I was in a state of shock. I could not believe it. And I snapped out of it. I hit the off button. I looked at the wall and I said to myself, what did I do wrong? I did everything I was taught to do in sales, built relationships, built rapport, wasn't aggressive everything and the first big epiphany hit me and you can tell me if you agree with me this or not that somewhere along the way it has become socially acceptable not to tell the truth to people who sell right <laughs> it's okay to say things like sounds good send me information oh yeah we're definitely interested wait wait 
send us a proposal without any intention of what? But my favorite is I always tell people, I, I, I think it's interesting because human beings are, we're conditioned to lie. Right? We're programmed to lie. Um, you know, you go into a store. I know that I want to buy a new black cotton V-neck t-shirt. Walk into Nordstrom's, the salesperson comes up to me and they say, can I help you? And it doesn't matter. I am going to say, no, I'm just looking. I mean, I start the relationship with a lie. I mean, a hundred percent. It what and that makes sales so difficult because your prospect is actually pre-programmed to lie to you. And here's the reason why I discovered this is the breakthrough. I realized the reason why they're not comfortable telling us the truth is because there is a sort of invisible river of pressure that flows underneath every conversation you have with somebody pre-sale. It's embedded in the conversation itself based upon your roles. And unless you're aware and constantly aware of that pressure. You're not removing it from the process continuously. What will happen is they'll always feel comfortable keeping their guard close to them, giving you just enough breadcrumbs to show you're interested and making you chase them in the hope they might buy something. And they'll always keep their guard back. and You'll never know the truth. And that's where I made the whole shift. That's where I mentioned my whole unlock the game concept 20 years ago, where the concept is you shift your mindset away from focusing on the sale. And instead, you focus only on deep trust. When you do that only, what happens is you build what I call a moment of vulnerability where they feel comfortable opening up to you and telling you the total truth. When you have that with somebody, that's real trust. And that's the whole foundation of trust-based selling. That is awesome. I want to just remind all of our, our listeners and viewers because I hate when I'm like fired up and I'm like, I want more of that. Unlock the sales game. That is the book that was just mentioned. You can find it at unlockthegame.com and you can find all kinds of information here. Um, about Ari, about um, different courses, different opportunities to connect with him, um, all the information there, unlockthegame.com. You can get a copy of the book, Unlock the Sales Game. Um, highly, highly recommended. You don't have to wait until the end. You should probably be on your computer, on your phone, picking that up um, immediately right now. So we start to understand this. Um, where do we go next now that we're beginning to understand that 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 pressure that's flowing? What do we do to develop and, and break through that hidden pressure that's that's constantly riding in every sales situation? First thing we have to do is address the sales myths that are in the back of our head. The hard drive we have to clean out from the past that we're used to, our old conditioning, we still carry with us today. And I'll walk you through them right now. I'm sure you probably heard of them. Uh, the first one is this one, that sales is a numbers game, right? I'm sure you know that one. The more, contacts, you can. the more contacts you make, supposedly, the more sales you make. Well, you know, we discovered in this economy now, the way things have changed, it's not about how many contacts you make anymore. It's about how deep you go on each conversation. Not how good you are and how many contacts you make or how big your network is. It's how good you are at trust building. It's a different shift than that. Number two is the myth around the sales loss at the end of the process. And I'm sure you've been there before. We had a deal pending. It all looked good, perfect conversation. And at the end, it just kind of like fell through. You're like, well, wait a second. It was like the perfect opportunity. Well, we discovered the sales not lost anymore at the end of the process. It's now lost at the beginning, at hello. And I'll mm -hmm. prove it to you right now in a fun way. If someone calls your office tomorrow morning, you pick up the phone and you hear, hi, my name is, I'm with, we are a, what goes through your mind in about three seconds? Uh, they're trying to sell me something. It's over at hello. We, we, we put our guard up. We have the space between us and we play the game. And, and I'll make a case today that many of your listeners and viewers are actually losing their opportunities, not at the end of the process. They're losing it way at the beginning, mm. which will be a shock for some people when they hear the rest of this. And the last one's a big one, that rejection is part of the sales process. You have to accept it as a norm. If you're not, if it came from the old sales manager, remember that guy who says, hey, if you're not tough enough, if you can't take a no, if you can't take rejection, if you're not thick-skinned, you're not made for what? Sales. Not made for uh, that. <laughs> yes. You got you to get beat up to really be good at this game. Well, guess what we figured out in our research? We discovered that rejection is triggered by certain things you say and do unconsciously that cause the other person to push back on you and make you chase them. And we'll talk about those in a few minutes as well. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's unpack those. Um, you know, I want to go deeper on those, um, you know, with this first sales myth, these are, first of all, where, where, 
where do you think that we come up with these myths? Like, or like, I mean, just, I could take somebody that's not in sales and start talking to them. And that's what they think about sales. Where are we getting these ideas, especially if you have found them to not be true? This comes from the, all the conventional thinking out there from the 1980s, from all the sales gurus, from all the videos out there that are so teaching the only traditional methodology, which is your goal is to pursue, chase. It's a numbers game. Uh, it's a linear model. That's all the world in selling knows is that your goal is a sale and your goal is to move somebody forward. That's called conventional thinking. Now, I'll warn you in advance. My thinking is very contrarian. It's the opposite of everybody else. And that's the breakthrough here, which we'll walk, we'll walk through in just a minute about some examples, how to use this, why it's so much easier, and why it's time to detox yourself from the way you've been thinking for years. Okay, well, some people, especially if they have a sales team, now they're cringing. They're like, oh, wait a minute. What do you mean it's not a numbers game? And and salespeople are you know rubbing their hands together. They're like, I, I heard Ari say it's not a numbers game. I, I'm not picking up the phone. I'm not going to make calls. I'm not going. I, I, this is great news. It's not a numbers game. So what exactly is then the contrarian? If it's not a numbers game, I mean, obviously, you're not saying, well, don't get your at-bats or don't attempt the sale um how do we how do we break that myth and what's then the the contrarian effect on that so i'm not saying you should not be ambitious you shouldn't have goals be successful hit your numbers all i'm saying is don't transfer that pressure from you to the other person you're talking to in your sales process mm. all i'm talking about here is focus on trust building not the next step focus on being present with people and I'll talk to you in a second right now, what I call begin to use trust-based languaging. We invented our own body of work around languaging to use to replace the sales scripts that builds trust immediately with people in the beginning and not the end. We'll walk about, we'll talk about that now in our, in our, in our uh, principles. Yeah. And well, and, and then salesman number two, or if we're losing them, and if you want to jump into, into the principles, you know, if, if for, for orientation sake, totally fine. Um, but if it's lost at the be, if it's lost at the beginning and not the end, if the myth is that it only happens at the end, um, what are, how do I prep for the beginning? How do I, because look, every single, not every single, but almost every single sales training teaches people to be closers. We want to be stone cold killers when it comes to the close. You're saying, look, it, it, you could be a stone cold killer on the close, but you might've already screwed this up from the beginning. So I want to be a stone cold opener. What can I do to be better at opening this conversation so that we can even start the process? Sure. Let's cover a couple of scenarios. Okay. Let, let's do a live one now. Let's do out for people who listen to the call, do outbound calls, call out a call. This will help you. We'll go through right now. So the typical outbound call to someone kind of goes like this. Hi, my name is, I'm with we are a, how are you today? Doing great. <laughs> right. And the minute you hear that from somebody you don't know, your your instinct is, this is over right now because right. I know it's coming. That's what everyone else is doing. That's the numbers game. You keep knocking people over to get a few. Now, our approach is different. Our mindset is not to make the sale. Our languaging is to connect with people and to engage in what we call a two-way dialogue, not a one-way train going through the person. And here's how ours is different. You get centered, you, you lower your voice, you say, hi, John, my name's Ari, and here it is. And I'm hoping you can help me out for a moment. That's it. There's no introduction. There's no where you're from. There's no last name. There's nothing that you've been taught to do from the past that you use here. You just say, hi, the person's name, my name is, and I'm hoping you can help me out for a moment. I love that. Now, the only response to that, to most human beings, when you deliver that way, is going to be this. Sure. How can I help you? Because they don't know who you are. You could be a vice president, the tax office. You could be anybody. You don't know who you are. They have to say to you, how can I help you? You can be a client. You can be, a, they don't know. No, they have to engage with you. That's how you connect. Then you say, I'm just giving you a call to see if you'd be open. There's some different ideas and insights 
on how to address the issues of, and you plug in the two or three core problems that you help people solve right there that you know your market has. You do not talk about you. You don't talk about your solution. And you don't talk about your company because the conversation is not about you. And that's the whole shift to see we're so used to see our identity with selling has always been about our solution. So when someone says, hey, what do you do? Oh, I sell insurance. Oh, I sell software. See, when we meet somebody, we talk about our solution. We've been taught by the gurus to love what you do. You can't wait to sell it. You can't wait. When you start a conversation with somebody and it's about you and not about them, it's over to hello. Right. Love that. Love it. Where do we go next on that? Uh, they say, yeah, sure, I can help you. Um, because I would imagine um, typical or traditional convention is, oh my gosh, thank you so much for, for saying that, Ari, because I have a solution and now we're kind of right back in, in the same boat. How do I transition? That's the instinct. The instinct we've been taught to train ourselves on, we sense an opportunity, we're like hound dogs. We just go for it. We, oh, I can help you with that. Oh my God, look at our, our demo. Look at our model. We have a service. See, we cannot wait to show people our what? Our solution. Right. <laughs> Welcome to 1980s, Salesman 101. Let me show you got in the bag. See, this mm. is the problem. We're so conditioned to just jump in with the opportunity. We don't give it enough time to build trust with people. Because here's the thing, what I discovered, that your prospects and clients don't care about how you solve their problem or what you even do in your process. What they care about is if you're the one to solve it or not. The entire time they're asking themselves, do I trust him? Do I trust him? Do I trust him? They're not listening to your explanation of your solution because the world's commoditized now. They know what the stuff is, it's not unique. No longer can you differentiate on your product or solution. That's over. You have to differentiate on your approach. That's how you become a category of one. So let's talk about this idea of rejection because you know everybody is like, yeah, I, you know, you have to become rejection proof. Um, you're saying that's part of the deal. Um, and we, we're not trying to develop this like armor, uh, you know, the, the suit of armor, like we're a knight. Um, and that is not conventional wisdom. How do we approach rejection then? We never should trigger it. And let me walk you through um, some examples right now of what I mean by that, because I'll, I'll give you an example. Here's a great example of what we do without even knowing it that creates the reject the wall of rejection. I'm going to ask all your listeners and viewers right now to take a verbal oath with me to remove one key phrase forever from your vocabulary as of today and never use it again. Now, if you've been in sales for a while, this might hurt just a bit. You okay with this? Let's see it. Let's hear it. I'm going to ask your viewers and listeners to never, ever again use the phrase follow-up ever as of today. And I fear if I ask a show of hands right now, Who's called somebody in the last few weeks and said, hi, I'm giving you a call to follow up. I'm sure I'd see hands going up left and right. Well, we've right? been taught, we've been taught the fortunes and the follow-up. What's the only industry in the world that calls and says, hi, I'm giving you a call to follow up? Uh, doctor? Sales. Only sales <laughs> people say that. And here we are trying to be heart-centered and authentic and not pushy, but our language says, hi. I'm calling to move things where? Towards the sale. There's a couple more classic ones. I know you know them. I'm just giving you a call to what? Touch base. <laughs> checking in. You got a couple. These are all like 1980s sales lines that were so embedded in our languaging that immediately changed our image of who we are to our potential client. And they shut down. So and here's... Ari, this is not a political statement, but but you could also call to circle back on somebody. That's a classic one. There you go. There you go. There's a, there's a classic ones that are so embedded in our psyche, and we still use them, but we have no idea that's what causes rejection. Mm. How so? People. so? So what I'm suggesting is this. I'll give you an example. So what you say instead is this. You say, 
I'm giving you a call to see if you have any feedback on our previous conversation, any feedback on our last meeting, any feedback on a proposal, any feedback. See, feedback's going which direction? Away from the sale. It's going backwards. That takes the pressure out. Try it tomorrow. When you call someone and say, hi, I'm giving you a call to give feedback on our last meeting. Watch what happens. They start talking and talking, and it starts just coming out. You know what comes out? The truth. And that is your only goal in the process. Your goal is not to make the sale because it's not even, it's elusive. It's not even there. You can't get to the sale unless you get to the truth of people first and you know where you stand. That's the whole breakthrough from chasing the numbers game and chasing ghosts. The only few at the end become a client. So this is fantastic. People, I'm sure, are like, yes, this is great. We've created a, a void though. So we've knocked down these myths. And so, and I think, I mean, honestly, you know, it's, it's, it's irrefutable. What you're saying is absolutely true. And the reason why is because all of us have been in brilliant sales situations and, and you don't want to feel pressured. You don't want to have the sleazy tactics utilized on you. We're in, in 2021 and we right. understand that things are, are different, but we created the void. What then, what do we fill that with? Um, I understand that there are the core principles that you have built your teachings upon. What do we need to know to begin to fill that void so that we can inch towards being more effective and better at sales? Sure. There's two core principles that we teach and there's embedded in that is tactics and language. And here it comes. The first principle is to always be diffusing pressure in the conversation all the time because it's there. You have to be aware of it. Let me give you an example right now. This is using our trust-based languaging that we invented. So let's give a scenario. Let's say you got a first call with somebody over the phone, a lead, and they're fairly qualified. And the call is going well, good chemistry, could be a good fit. Uh, looks like they're interested in your product or solution. The call kind of comes to a close. There's good chemistry there. Uh, normally, at the end of a call like that, what do people say? We say things like, hey, how about we move forward, have a cup of coffee, next step. See, we're conditioned to move things which direction? Forward towards a sale, right? But what happens if you try to move somebody forward right there in the beginning and they aren't ready yet? What do you break with them right there at the beginning of your process? You break trust, right? Mm -hmm. So same scenario, our mindset, our approach, our languaging. Call is going well, good chemistry, could be an opportunity. Call comes to an end rather saying, hey, how about we move forward? What we say instead is this. We say, where do you think we should go from here? Love it. And I'll say it, and I'll say it again. Where do you think we should go from here? Now, how does that change the dynamic of the moment? What are they thinking now? They themselves are, are thinking how to advance the situation in the direction that they want it to go, whether it's towards the sale or maybe, truthfully, they're trying to reel it back a little bit. There's a big shift happening here. And when you say to somebody, where do you think we should go from here? They're usually in a state of shock. <laughs> they can't believe somebody in sales and business actually asked them what they want to do. This is unheard of. This is nuts. They're used to being pulled down what? A sales process. They know it a mile away. They know it at a high. Hello. They it's over at hello because we're they're so conditioned to that momentum, the the enthusiasm, the the premature offering of it. They're, they're so used to all this that the minute they hear it, it's over. When you say to somebody, where do you think we should go from here? What usually happens is they say things like this. They say things like, um, I, I've got one more question. Or well, what about what about this? You know, it comes out and you said it, the truth. And that is your goal. Your goal is to build enough trust with somebody so they feel comfortable opening up to you in the beginning. So you know where you stand with them. So you're not spending your entire day and months chasing ghosts in dysfunctional relationship with people who never tell you the truth. And the end, you wonder, why is this so hard? So this is about detoxing your old way of thinking and being authentic with people and being in their world, not your world.
Principle number two? Number two is what I call getting to the truth of people. Now, what does that mean? What that means is having them feel comfortable 100% telling you where you stand every second of the conversation. For example for you, I recently got a call, came to my office, got through my team, got to me, unscheduled call. I pick it up. I hear Mr. Galper. I said, yes. He says, my name is John Johnson. I'm an XYZ company. You recognize the name, big company. And he says to me, look, uh, I'm. we're looking to bring someone to train our sales force. We're looking at you and two other people. We'd like to know, first of all, why should we go with you? Why are you the best? And give me your best sales pitch. <laughs> he says this to me. That's the game he's in. That's what he carries every day, that kind of armor. And so um, I, I, I lowered my voice. I took a deep breath. I got censored again in my approach. And I said this to him. I said, well, isn't that interesting? There's more. It's coming. But And I paused and I breathed. And I said to him, over here at our company, we have a very similar process to you where we ask some questions, gather information to see if we're a good fit. And if we're a good fit, we decide where to go, where to go from there. And I said to him, would you be open to that? There was a dead silence for about a couple, about a minute. Then he, he actually breathed like a sigh of relief came across the phone. I could tell the shoulders came down. He became a human being again, not a robot. And he said to me, um, okay, Ari, what kind of questions do you have for me? Mm. Next thing I know, I discover in five minutes, one, he's not a decision maker. Two, he has no budget. And three, he's just curious as to what I do. So off he went to YouTube for some of my stuff on my website. I hung up the phone. Now, what did that process just save me months of? Oh, Chase, ghost. Is this drug in our bodies? You know, it's, it's called, it's activated with inbound calls like that. It's called hopium. <laughs> <laughs> you know the hopium? You're like, yeah. I got the call, baby. Yeah, I feed you this year. You're so excited. You got the phone call. You're all excited. It just fills up your, your your whole day, and you and you follow up with them. And you get their voicemail like, "What? He's not there. What the heck's going on?" Then you go to your computer. You're saying, "You're right. Hi, I'm writing you to what? To follow up? Yes. And we're all over again. The same place we started chasing somebody because we never realized we're stuck in that that circle that just never ends. The I'm going to shift gears slightly here. Um, you're in Australia. We're yes. talking to people all over the world yes. via technology. And the world has just gone through um, a pandemic where we've lost that sort of face-to-face -face interaction a lot. Mm -hmm. How has that changed these strategies when we're trying to talk to somebody through a computer screen with a camera? I get that question all the time. And the answer is this. The mediums that you use to communicate with people is not the changing factor. It's the approach that you use to people, whether it's LinkedIn or Zoom or cameras or screens or phones. If you're still selling and conditioned to sell the old way, no matter what medium you use, you'll still get the same result. If you want to change and adapt to the new world now, Fine to use these screens, use phones, LinkedIn, social. That's all fine. All that is is new mediums. What's got to change is you and your approach. You have to be aware of certain things. For instance, what you don't want to do, and this is a, this, I'm dropping a bomb right now, and I tell my clients this, stop focusing on building relationships with people pre-sale. Now, it's crazy. That's totally anti-sales. What I discovered is trust and relationship building are mutually exclusive, meaning your ideal clients, they don't want to become your friend. We laid in thick. Hey, how's it going? Nice to meet you. How's it going out there? Really? See, we, we think it's all about the relationship. They want to get to know us and like us. And if they like us, well, they'll buy from us. Well, when you see a doctor, is he working on a relationship with you? Or is he diagnosing your problem? Trust is built 
When you remove the fake relationship building, which they know is fake anyways, and you focus only on unpacking their issue, diagnosing it, so they say to themselves, this guy just gets me. I don't know what it is. He's not trying to sell me anything. He's not trying to move me forward. But he really understands my problem. I don't care how much he charges. I want to hire him. That's the zone you got to move into no matter what medium you use. I love that. And you open up a new um, interesting topic that we could bring you back and just discuss for an entire show. But you, because you talk about pre-sales. In my mind, pre-sales is marketing, marketing to create awareness, things that we're doing. We're not yet in the uh, sales conversation. Number one, do you believe that marketing is actually a, a thing? And what is the transition between marketing and sales? Well, there's lead generation, right? Which you're talking about marketing and there's conversion. Those are the two metrics you need to get right. You got to get qualified leads coming through to a schedule, hopefully a scheduled call if you sell over the phone. And you got to be really good at converting them once they get into a call with you. And they sync up together. Your marketing has to sync up with trust, your headlines, your languaging, your content. It, 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 and, and it can't be, your content can't be about your solution. It's got to be about the problem that you help people solve. And I'll, this here's another bomb. And when you get on the phone with somebody, stop giving them value. Stop educating them. Stop doing free consulting. Instead, give them clarity on their issues. They don't care about your solution. I'm sorry. They care about if you're the one to understand their problem. In fact, I'm working on a new book right now coming out next year called The One Call Sale. How to compress your sales cycle from multiple steps to one single trust-based conversation. We are not following up anymore. You're not chasing the next ghost. You're not playing the numbers game anymore. You finally have learned how to be so connected to somebody that on that one call, the person feels comfortable giving you a yes or a no. That's the ultimate pinnacle of where this is going. And now I teach that to my private clients. Mm, that's deep. I love that. So many of us, though, are actually programmed. We are, are doing a multi-step process to begin with. We don't want to do one call because that's not what we learn. We think we should just jump this hurdle and then I'll follow up and then I'll tackle the next hurdle. And then on the follow up, I'll get to the close and then I'll do that. Think about this for a second. They got a problem. You got the solution. Straight line of sight. What do we do? We mess the whole thing up <laughs> by making them go through a whole bunch of hoops, persuading them, convincing them, and doing all this stuff that is not what they want. What I'm talking about here is simplifying the entire process to one single conversation to help them feel comfortable trusting you enough to solve their problem. If you can't get to that point, you're always going to be struggling playing the numbers game and just making enough to make a living and never really hitting the big numbers. One of the things I notice is that even just in, in the core content of your teachings, when we say, would you be open to that? The questions that you ask um, are, are questions that give you a lot of information about the prospect and their qualifications. What are, I mean, because I think that a lot of people are, are maybe even gifted and they are good at selling, but they just talk all day to the absolute wrong people. What are some tips to make sure that I'm actually talking to a qualified individual before I try and, and, and sell something? So that goes to, to marketing now, lead generation. That's where you have to, you have to have a very clear pointing end of the spear clarity on who your ideal client is. Not, I don't mean like the profile males and from 55. I don't mean a demographic. I'm talking about what are the three to four core problems that you solve for your ideal client? Okay, that's a different way of thinking here. Reverse engineer your solution to their problems, right? So let's just say you sell lead generation, for instance, right, to business owners. You have to be able to articulate what their core problems are around those issues. And that way, when your marketing speaks to those problems, 
They'll resonate with those problems and they'll come towards you because they feel like you're not trying to sell them a solution, but you understand their problems. It's the same thing going to the doctor and you say to your doctor, my shoulder hurts. He goes, let me take a look over here. Oh, 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 wow. Yeah, we need to get an x-ray right away. We got to take a diagnosis and really see what's going on there so I can see the source of why it's going on. You're like, okay, doctor. You get an x-ray, puts it on the light. You see, and he goes like, see that little black area over there? That's the exact issue of why you got the problem right there. Let me write your prescription, all right? And then do this, do this, do what I'm telling you, and you should be okay. And then what do we do last? We walk out the door, we go pay him a bill. He never solves our problem, by the way. He only provides clarity on what the path is to solve it. That's the same model I've simply ported from the medical industry over to here. And I'm working on a new bumper sticker right now, which is going to be called Doctors Don't Do Coffee. <laughs> I, I love that. Since you, since you went there, what about doctors? And because we, a lot of doctors listen to our, our programming and doctors who are like, but I'm a doctor. I, doctors don't sell. I'm not, I'm not here to sell anything. Correct. I think that people should just come to me and I'm going to just tell them, you know, do this. Um, and then you have maybe not allopathic doctors. You have chiropractors, physical therapists, acupuncturists. There is a degree of selling that has to happen. What do you say to that? They, they also need sales skills. No, they don't. They need trust-based selling skills and to stop selling and instead start diagnosing. When you provide a diagnosis to somebody, and they get this relief and cathartic feeling that finally you understand understand what you understand what the problem is and they feel relief that you can solve it. And if you can lay out what I call a roadmap, walk them through how you solve their problem, they're in. You don't have to sell yourself. You have to sell 25 treatments. You have to sell the solution. Just show them the path for how to solve their problem. And on their own, they'll say to you, well, how do I move forward? See, we're so used to presenting a case, to closing someone, to show testimonials, to show the whole program. See, we're so conditioned to show the whole solution that puts pressure on us to move them forward. Instead, if you unpack their issue, amplify what the true problem is, and ask this question, here it is right now. This is the definitive question. Is this a priority? for you to solve once and for all, or you have to live with it for the long term. And I'm okay either way. It's up to you. One thing that I notice, Ari, is when you do the role play, you shift your voice, your pace changes, your tone changes. How important is that? Delivery, and I think you pointed out, by the way, is half of this, not just the words. You have to remove the pressure and momentum. You have to create space in your words. You have to slow things down. See, that feels so weird for people who sell because we're so used to what? We're super hyped up and all excited. Hey, how you doing today? Great. Come on to the office. Have a chat. How's the, how's the kids? Really? Hey, that's fa See, we're so conditioned to adding energy inside this that we lose our authenticity. Mm. It's not genuine. It's people know it's overly done. All they want is their problem solved. They don't want the extra layer of whatever. And when you slow things down with people, here's the thing about that. They engage. When you put energy into it and you do all the talking and you create momentum, momentum, here it comes, kills the sale. Mm. How it so doesn't allow the other person to enter your world or engage with you and feel comfortable telling you the truth because I can see you're trying to get them to move where? Towards you, towards the close. It's over right there. Mm. The battle starts. That excess energy, do you feel that that adds to that underlying current, that pressure of that, that somebody feels but doesn't necessarily express until that moment of, Truth when they're like, eh. look, I'm not saying change who you are. If it's just your personality, fine. All I'm saying is be aware of how you're being perceived to other people. If you're adding an extra stuff in the process, 
that's unnecessary to why they came to you, which is to solve the problem, then you are in what I call the sales prevention department. <laughs> you yourself are losing your own opportunity and you can't help people make a bigger impact because of the way you've been conditioned to sell. What about over-educating? Watch this video. I need you to know the history of my company. Um, I want you to understand the tactical functionality of the thing that I'm giving you. How do we avoid that? Because, I mean, obviously we're excited about the thing, but how do we condition ourselves not to do that? Throw it all out. <laughs> you can't prematurely offer your solution until they say to you this, and here it comes. Until they say to you this, how can you help me? Mm. See, what we do is we got a hot lead. Let me show this video. Hey, here's our case studies. Here's our, 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 our framework. Here's our system. Here's our body system. Here's our, see, we're like, cannot wait to show them our IP. We're like, I got some on the hook. <laughs> You're so excited. Good for you, but not for them. They don't care mm. about your excitement. They don't care about you. I'm sorry to tell you this. We feel this void for us to feel good. And we can't wait to talk to people about our stuff. But that, when you do that, you become like 1980s sales 101 again. Mm. I've got one last one for you, Ari, because I, I wouldn't, wouldn't feel good if we didn't tackle this. One of the things that I see that a lot of the people that I talk to really struggle with, and, and it is a component of sales. But it's, it's that moment when then the prospect might say, you know, how do we move forward? Or what do I do? And now I have to express to them the price. And especially for our audience, the majority of them are service providers. So I'm, it's, it would be easier if I was like, look, I'm selling you a $5,000 suit. I didn't make it. That's just how much it costs. But I'm going to sell you the, the, the service that I provide. And I'm not that comfortable myself with that big of a number. So I, it becomes weird. Any tips on how we can overcome this weirdness about presenting the price, how much it's going to cost to work with me? Yes. I'm going to answer for everything. Just to let you know. <laughs> I know I, that's why you're here. <laughs> well, 20 years I've been doing this. I've heard every scenario possible. I've got, I've got, a, I've got my own live stream show called stump the guru. Love it. People can jump on and try to stop me if you like. No problem, anytime. But what you do to address the whole fear of the money thing is when they say to you, how can you help me? Or how, how do you work? Or how much does it cost? Or what, what, what's your process to work with you? Whatever. You don't talk about your services and your pricing. Because you, you add a meta step. A meta step means a step before you talk about that. And that's where you lay out what I call a visual roadmap. And I help my clients create one of these. It's a visual tool that shows somebody not what your solution is, but shows them what the process is for how you go about solving their problem. It's a different thing. So you're not saying uh, it's 12 uh, sessions and it's a phone call in between and a mastermind and, and it costs four thousand. It's not about building the value of the delivery. It's about showing them your method for how you solve their problem in a visual tool a flow chart where they see phase one, phase two, phase three. This is how I solve your problem. And you say this, what are your thoughts on the roadmap? And they go, it makes sense. How do you work? Then you say, well, how it works is this. And here's the language you use. It's very simple. I always say it's very simple. It's a fee of 4K per month. And we go through each phase of the process. And that includes four or five sessions where we actually go ahead and focus on your issue and, and get it solved once and for all. That's how the program works. So you map the fee to how you solve the problem. It doesn't feel like it's in left corner sitting here by itself. And by the way, one more tip for you. When you say the price, don't use the word thousands. Don't say 1,495, Make it a single number like 1,000 to whatever your number is. And you say, use the word letter K. It's simply 2K per month. Don't say thousands. It sounds way too complex and way too big. Just say it's 3K a month. What do you think about um, pricing strategies with the nines and the sevens? Test whatever you want. Whatever, If it works, don't change it. Trust mm -hmm. me, I don't have all the answers. But I would suggest 
try it my way for a while and see how it goes. Yeah, I love that because it's not complex. You know, fourteen ninety nine. It's even just even if I didn't say thousand, that's a lot of things to say versus I could just say two k. <laughs> I mean, five hundred dollars more. Here's what this boils down to: simplicity. Mm. We complex the whole thing. Your clients can't think past the next 10 minutes. They, their headspace right now, people to think about complex information, is reduced to almost nothing, which means your job is to decomplex what you do, decomplex your sales conversations, and decomplex your sales process so they feel comfortable giving you a yes because you made it easy and simple for them. I love it. Super educational. I know the people that we talk to on a regular basis, and I know that they are going to be wanting to engage with you more. You're going to want to stump the guru. That's also at unlockthegame.com. You can access all of the all of the social channels where you can find out how to plug in to stump the guru. Um, I hope that you will check it out because everybody would have a, a ton of fun with this. Ari, I hope that um, in the future we might be able to hook up and maybe put together some programming um, to go on a little bit of a deeper dive to help um, these service providers to reach more people, make an impact and create the lifestyle that they deserve. And sales is fundamental to that. Um, I hope that we've helped to overcome some of those myths that maybe people might have thought. And we've given you some constructive points on how you can fill in some of those gaps. Well, that's not all. I mean, you're going to have to, I mean, like I say every single week, I've never seen anybody um, radically change their financial position in life listening to a podcast. So you're going to have to actually get on your computer, get on your phone. You're going to have to go to unlock the game. You're going to have to get the book. You're going to see how to further engage with Ari. I've got to tell you too, what's so refreshing is that you rarely hear people talking about conventional up-to-date strategies relative to sales. You're absolutely right. Most people are just recycling a 1980s um, methodology, and it's very refreshing to hear your viewpoints. I, for once, I personally look forward to engaging with you more and seeing how we can uh, collaborate and help more people. I look forward to it. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much for being with us. Hey, folks, we'll be back again next week. Brand new guest, more information right here on the None of Your Business podcast. Make sure that you subscribe. Make sure you leave us a review. Tell your friends about us. You never know. Somebody may be struggling out there in their business, and this short moment in time may be just what they need to inspire them to keep moving forward to helping more people and making an impact in the world.